You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. I'm pumped about being at church tonight and sharing with y'all. Uh, we're doing part two tonight, uh, first, second, and third John. Uh, so if you'll turn with your bi- turn in your Bibles with me uh, to First John chapter one, and we're going to start in verse five, and we're going to cover John chapter one verse five through chapter two verse six tonight. So let's read this, and then we will talk about it. Verse 5 says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all, from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But though those who obey God's words truly show truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. (laughs) John didn't really leave any gray area there. He kind of makes it pretty, he kind of says it flat out here tonight. So if you get mad at anybody tonight, get mad at John here. So it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't me. Um, But John, what John's doing is he's trying to teach us what the real Christian life is supposed to look like how we're actually supposed to walk and talk and act. Um, And what he was combating here and what we have to still be aware of is false teaching. There's a lot of false teaching, a lot of false doctrine, even at this time that was saying, you can do whatever you want, get away with it. You can can meet God, get saved, and then you can continue to live in your sin. And that is not right. That's not right at all. And so that's what John is trying to to tell believers here is that, hey, there's this false teaching going around. There's this false doctrine going around and we got to be sure that we are not doing this. He say, he says in here, he addresses sin nine times in these, in these 10, 11 verses, nine times he says sin. And he's, he's showing us very simply that Christians are not supposed to live in sin. That we're not supposed to live in sin. He's, he, sh- he contrasts it to here with living in light and living in dark. Living in light and living in dark, living in God's ways or living in the world's ways, living in God's ways or living in sin. So he contrasts it here by the comparison of light and darkness. He also contrasts saying and doing because four times he writes in this short excerpt here that if we say or if we claim, and so I want to look at, look at that as well tonight, um, it should be clear by the way that we live our lives, that we are Christians. Like our, our talk has to line up with our walk. We must walk or live what we, are, what we believe. And if we are walking in fellowship with God, then our lives should back up what, that, that we say. When we say that, like if we say that we have fellowship with God, if we say that we are believers, then our lives should show that. 
then we should talk like God talks and we should think like God thinks and we should act like God acts and we should vote like God would vote. We should do the things that God would do. And if we are living in sin, if we are walking in darkness, our lives will begin to contradict what we are saying. It's interesting. The New Testament constantly calls the Christian life a walk. It's a, it's a walk. Now, this walk begins with the step of faith as we put our trust in Jesus, as we, as we begin at the, as we begin salvation and get into this. But we got to understand salvation isn't the end for the believer. It's the beginning. It's the first step of the walk. <laughs> and walking involves progress. Walking involves advancement. When you think about a child learning to walk, many times it's slow. Many times they, they fall a lot. But as they grow older, they get better at it. Such as it should be for Christians, that as we grow older, as we mature in our faith, our walk with God should get better and better. We should start sinning less and less. That's the, like, we should start thinking and acting more like the Lord as we continue in this. And so as we mature, we should sin less, we should fall less, we should begin to learn how to navigate the difficulty of overcoming sin, because sin is basically a refusal to submit to God's ways. Because as we get saved, as the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, he begins to highlight the things in our lives that are not of God, that we should lay down. And as we begin to walk this out, we should willingly submit and obey what, hey, if God says, give me that, don't do this anymore, don't talk that way, we should stop doing those things. That's very clear. Like we should stop doing those things. Sin, sin, the, the actual word would meet, would really mean missing the mark, missing the mark or, or to fall short, that we fall short of the glory of God. Romans 14 says that anything not done in faith is sin. Anything not done in faith. So as we mature in our faith, we get to a place where everything we do is done in faith, where everything we do is done in faith. If a believer decides to live a rebellious, independent life, how could you really say that they're a Christian or a believer? You can't say that you believe in God, that you're a Christian, and then not live like it. That, that doesn't make sense. Those, those two things, you can't do that. <laughs> like you can't, I, can't say that I, I can't say that I'm a man and then not be a man. It doesn't work that way. So like if you say that you're a believer, you're a believer. And it, but if, you're, if your life contradicts that, it's not making it sense. It's, it's actually pretty clear in scripture what a believer is supposed to look like um, on how we are called to live. And, and not that you're immediately going to be perfect. Not that you're going to be perfect, but that you're growing. You're growing. Like as a believer, as you're in fellowship with the Lord, you should be growing. And so really the proof that we are in fellowship with God proof that we are in relationship with God is just simply growth. It's simply growth. And none of us have arrived yet. None of us are there yet. So like this month, I should be more mature than last month. And this year I should be more mature than last year. I really, I had an encounter with the Lord at 19 years old and I'm now 29. So 10 years later, I am a more mature believer than I was 10 years ago. I look more like Jesus today than I did 10 years ago, but it didn't happen overnight, but it was a process. And that is proof that I am in fellowship with God, that I am becoming more like him, that I'm, that's, that's our proof. And so you can look and say, okay, am I in relationship with God? Do I talk the way that I used to talk? Do I act the way that I used to act? Is my marriage the way that it used to be? It, or, or do I handle my money the way that I used to handle it? it 
is there a maturing in your life? And that should be the proof that we are in fellowship with God. And fellowship with God is really just, it's, in a, it's a relationship with him, but it's in a place of submission with him. And this is one thing that I try to tell my young people a lot because, it, you know, yes, we are in relationship with God. And that, you know, that's a popular thing. Like it's relationship. It's not religion. Like you hear that all the time until you, okay, I get it. But I, one thing I tell my, my young people in youth group is that God isn't just after relationship. He's after ownership because he's not just savior. He's Lord. <laughs> he's the boss. <laughs> he's the, he's in charge. He's God and you're not. And he's the designer and the creator of life. And he designed and created life to work a certain way. And it wasn't to take the fun out of life. It was actually to make your life awesome. It's really what he came to give us abundant life. And we cannot have abundant resurrection life if we don't submit to the way that he requires life to operate. <laughs> and we've got to know that like when we get saved, we receive a new nature. But there's this old man that tries to come back a lot. And we got we to gotta be sure that we murder that old man. <laughs> the devil tries to resurrect that old man a lot and make you think that that's still who you are. You got to put him in the grave. You got to put the old man. You have received a new nature, but it is now your responsibility to walk in that new nature empowered by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 12, and 13 says, So then, brethren, the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you were controlled by the flesh, or you could, your old man, you were about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, then we taste real life. So it's in the Spirit, living life in the Spirit, that we put to death the old man and we experience new abundant life. And so, John here, he's telling us, listen, there's sin, we got to deal with it. There's a such thing as sin, we as Christians aren't supposed to live in it, so we got to deal with it. And he actually shows us three different ways that Christians deal with it, or yeah, two ways, but the, the last two kind of go together. So the first way is really the wrong way that he describes on how we try to deal with our sin, or, or, or many believers try to deal with their sin, is we cover it up. Number one is we try to cover up our sin. Uh, we, we, start, we start living a lie. Uh, in verse 5 and 6, he, he, he says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go, on, it, we go on living in spiritual darkness. We aren't practicing truth. And many times believers, we start, we start living a lie. We start living a double life. We start acting one way in front of church people and maybe one way at home. Or, or we start acting... <laughs> one way in public, one way in another place, one way with this group of friends, one with that. And it's like, we're living in light. We're trying to live in light and darkness. And sometimes we come to church and we put a mask on and we act like everything's awesome and everything's great. But really we're, we're living a lie. We try to cover it up. We try to make a good impression on our Christian brothers and sisters. And we try to make people think that we're walking in light when we're actually in secret, we may be walking in darkness. You actually can put on a mask that looks like you're walking in light, but be full of darkness. Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. He said, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of death. You look, on the inside, you're full of death. And one thing that happens, if you, start, if you start living a lie, eventually you start to believe your own lie. If you start wearing it, one thing that I find with, with a lot of 
young people in this culture is they start wearing so many masks, they forget who they are. Yeah, we get the word hypocrite. A hypocrite was a was a a uh, performer in like a Greek play, and he would go off stage and change. He, he would take one mask off and put another mask on and come out and play a p- completely different character. Now, man, if that doesn't describe a lot of people, we go home and we change masks all the time. And if you wear a mask for so long, you'll forget what you actually look like. You, you can forget who you actually are. And, and, and you know. It's very possible to live in a place of sin and believe that you're not living in a place of sin. It's possible to be in the dark and not realize that you're actually in the dark because when you're over here, you're actually wearing a, a mask full of light. And you, we start, it's weird how we start to twist and justify things in our minds. Like at first, we kind of know it's wrong, but after a while, you know, it's not that big a deal. It, it's not that big. Deal. Or, or we watch the culture change around us, or we listen to false teaching. And we think that this is okay to do, and it's really not okay to do. It's clear in Scripture that it's not okay to do. And so we have got to be aware of those things. It even happened to King David. And King David was a man after God's own heart. But King David, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, he has an affair with a woman that's not his wife, with Bathsheba, and then he sends her husband Uriah to the front lines to die. So not only is he an adulterer, but he is a murderer. And then in the next chapter, chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes to him and tells him a story about a rich man with a bunch of sheep and a poor man with one sheep. And he says the rich man was throwing a party for all his friends. And so he went and took the poor man's sheep and, and, and killed it so that he could serve it. And, and it says, there's a verse that says David was furious. And he says, where is this man? And there's a really popular verse right there where Nathan looks at David and says, you are that man. <laughs> Golly. And, and, and you know, the Holy Spirit does that sometimes. There's been times where I have been frustrated with the way that other people are acting, the other people are, uh, the way that other people are behaving. And Holy Spirit comes and says, you're frustrated with what's, what's going on in their life because it reflects what's going on in your life. Like, oh, okay, Lord. <laughs> and many times, Many times, church, we, we, we really, we got to take a look in the mirror because a lot of times what bothers us about other people is actually what bothers us about ourselves. We get, so, we get quickly deceived. And, and that's what bothered, <laughs> I think that's what bothered the Pharisees about a lot of people is that what they were struggling with, they actually were struggling with on the inside. They just washed up on the outside. Many times we, we get confused. It happens in church a lot. We deceive, our, we deceive ourselves and we get angry at other people for the sin that many times we're actually kind of living in. David did confess. He did repent. He was restored. Um, and then chapter 10 says that, that we then begin to make God out to be a liar because we say, oh, I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything wrong. It's so easy. We quickly, we so quickly, like self-righteousness, man, just creeps in. <laughs> And we quickly apply the word of God to other people's lives before we apply it to our own. We sit, we sit in church and we begin to think about, well, man, I hope so-and-so is listening to this message. <laughs> We've all had those thoughts, man. I hope so-and-so is listening. When we come to church, when we come to Bible studies, when we're reading the word, the first thing that we need to do is we need to hold up the mirror. We need to hold up the mirror. It, 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 David had a bad moment here, but in, in one of his Psalms, he says, search my heart, O God. Is there anything in here that's not of you? And so don't, we can't come into church or Bible study or read our word and think about other people. We first need to look at the man in the mirror and, uh, and, and be sure. And this, man, this word is convicting. 
this word cuts deep. This word steps, this word steps on your toes. It steps on your toes, but it's so that you can step out of the things that God doesn't want you to have so that you can enter into all that he has for you because he has abundant life for us. Sin has a very deadly way of spreading. We quickly deceive ourselves. It's like it's leaven in flour. It slowly spreads. It slowly takes root. We begin to twist things in our mind and justify things in our mind. We slowly get blind spots when it comes, when it comes to our character. And we, we've got to be sure that we look in the mirror. To have abundant resurrection, real life that God is talking about, we, we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest with others. We have to be honest with God. And this passage is describing a believer who, who lives a dishon- dishonest life. One who is a phony, one who is a hypocrite, one who is playing a role, one who's wearing different masks, one who's not living a genuine life, one who's one way in front of some people and another way in front of other people, or one way this way and one way at home, or one way like this and one way secretly behind closed doors. And we get to a place where we're even we're reading the word and it's doing nothing to us because we have become so deceived ourselves. And he's clear here. If you, if you're walking in darkness, you don't have fellowship with God. You don't. And there's a place church that's really, that's dangerous. That's scary where the Holy spirit has convicted you and convicted you and convicted you and convicted you. And you've just so shut him out that he's not convicting you anymore. And that's where you've lost, you've lost that fellow. That's a scary place. And so that always has to be our posture as God, show me those things that I need to get out of. Show me where I'm missing the mark, God. Reveal to me the sin that's in my life, Lord, so that I can confess it, so that I can repent it because we will lose fellowship with God. A huge deception in the church right now is that man can fellowship with God and walk in darkness at the same time. And that is simply not true. That is simply not true. You can't hold your sin in in one hand and your Savior in the other because they're going in opposite directions. You can't hold your sin in one hand and your Savior in the other because they're going in opposite directions. And you can just look in Scripture and see, all you got to do is look to the cross and see how God feels about sin. Isaiah 53 says that it pleased the Father to pour out the wrath on His Son. That's how much God hates sin. That's how much He loves us. That he would send Jesus to save us from that thing that is tearing us apart. But you've got to let go of your sins so that you can have your Savior, so that you can have fellowship with him. In Revelations, he talks about a lukewarm believer. He's, I wish you would be hot or cold because you're making me sick. You're, he, said, he actually says, you're, I'm about to vomit out right now. So we can't be a hypocrite. We can't be different people. We've got to, we've got to be completely in the light as believers. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and f- turn from them, they will receive mercy. And many people don't know what freedom really is. I think one of the key parts of freedom is not having any secrets. Not having any secrets. To be able to hand your phone to your wife at any time and let her look through anything that she wants to. To not have any secret, to, to, for, for people to be able to see everything that's going on in your life. That's freedom because I'm not looking over my shoulder wondering if a cop's going to pull me over. <laughs> I'm, not worried, I'm not worried about getting arrested. I'm not worried about some, somebody coming and taking me away. I'm not worried about my wife finding out anything because there's nothing to find out. Man, how free is that? 
I lived in a place of deception and hypocrisy for a long time when I was, when I was young, when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, always worried about my mom finding out, always worried about getting pulled over, always worried about my girlfriend finding about, always, always just stressed and anxious and living in fear because I was living in fear of, of punishment because I was really wicked. That's what I was. I was claiming to be a Christian, but I really wasn't. There was a lot that you could find out. But to live in that place where there's no secrets is true freedom, I think. It's true freedom. Freedom freedom tonight is found when you pull darkness into the light. And that leads me into number two. The, the, the second thing that John talks about that we've got to do is we have to confess our sin. We've got to confess our sin. He says in, in chapter two that we have an advocate. He says, if you sin, we have an advocate who pleads your case before the Father. And so there's forgiveness here. But to get that forgiveness, you've got to pull the darkness into the light. <laughs> the, the wages of sin is death, and Jesus paid that wage. He, Jesus took the consequence on himself, and so now you pull that darkness into the light, you confess it so that you can be free from it. Jesus is our high priest. He helps us when we sin. He helps us when we confess. And everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. All fall short of the glory of God. We couldn't come into his presence without Jesus paying that debt to wash away our sin. When we confess, John says, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And confession isn't, it's not praying some fancy prayer. It's not making pious excuses. It's not trying to impress other people. It's not trying to impress God. True confession is this, calling your sin what it is, sin. Not trying to make it, you know, many times we, we, I, I've been with, with young people and young, I work with young people, young adults a lot, and we try to make it look a little bit nicer than it is. We try to make ourselves look a little bit better than we are. We try to paint a better picture or whatever, but, but true confession is, I did it. I sinned, I blew it, and I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. True confession is calling sin, sin, and Jesus doesn't force us to confess. It, it, it's our choice. But true confession is being completely honest about it and not leaving anything in the dark. True confession is dragging that darkness into the light. And I, I want to address tonight too, um, the, the feeling of shame is what causes many believers to stay in the darkness. The feel, shame, is, shame is believing a lie. Shame, it, it, the, I think it's one of the enemy's most useful tools because we think if I confess, they won't accept me. Or if I confess, God is going to be mad at me. If I, it's, it's so weird because he already knows. It's like, we're high, like we can hide something from God. <laughs> he already knows. But we have this, we, we have this shame and, and we believe that people are going to keep distance from me because I blew it. We've all blown it. We've all blown, we've all fallen short. And if you're bound, the only way to get free is confession. The only way to get free is to get that forgiveness. As believers, we should be ready to respond in grace and love the way that God does when confession takes place. I think many times that's why people are afraid to confess because they feel the shame because they've seen maybe it handled the wrong way at, at different places or, or they have been rejected because we didn't really understand or we didn't understand how God responds to our sin and when there's confession of sin. But as believers, like we have to be there for our brothers and sisters. And when they confess that we're not like, oh, like you're dirty and you're weird. 
No, well, you have been in that place before too. And what if you slip up and mess up and you need to confess? And so it's very dangerous. You, got church, you get churches full of people who are living in sin cycles because everybody's afraid to confess to everybody. Everybody's afraid to take off that mask. And so a lot of people live most of their lives bound up and they've got this secret place over here that nobody knows about because they're afraid to confess because they're afraid to be rejected. So I want to encourage us tonight, church, to be there for your brothers and sisters. And that's one thing that I constantly, two of my best friends, Jason and Brandon, that are here on staff with me, I always tell them, if there's anything you need to confess, always come to me. Always, always, always come to me. Don't let your marriage fall apart before you come to me. Don't let, don't let your house burn down before you come to me. Don't completely destroy your life before you come to me. Because we get caught up in these cycles. We get caught up in this lie and we just dig a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger hole. And we could have nipped it on the front end, but shame kept you going back. Kept you going back to the garbage pit, basically. And so let's be there for our brothers and sisters and be that door for them to confess Let's respond with mercy and grace the way that God does. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be consequences. But if a believer confesses something to us, we have the responsibility to forgive them, to now hold them accountable and help them into complete restoration, just like the Lord does. But if we confess, verse 9, he is faithful and just to, to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of my favorite verses 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus paid for, he paid for this with his life, with his life. Next time temptation comes to sin, think about the cross. Next time temptation comes to give in, whatever it is, think about the cross Think about what Jesus did and fix your thoughts and your attentions, your affections on him whenever that comes. Think about what he did so that you could overcome that sin. And that leads me uh, to number three. And number two has to come before number three. Number two is confess it. Number three is conquer it. If you want to conquer conquer your sin, you have to confess it. You cannot overcome it if you don't confess it. If you want to destroy darkness, you have to turn the light on. The way that you conquer darkness is by turning the light on, and confession is the first step to that. To walk in light is to confess it to God and others, ourselves. I also want you to see here uh, in in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, John says, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate. I want you to see here in these two verses, we are not meant to sin. As believers, we are not meant to sin. We are, we are not meant to, walk, to be in lifestyles of sin. It, it, John doesn't say when you sin. He says if you sin. And I think, I think a lot of times we make ourselves susceptible to sin through wrong thinking. Because many times I think that, well, I'm not perfect, I'm going to blow it. And we walk around with this attitude of like, well, I'm, I'm going to sin, it's going to happen, it's going to happen eventually, I'm going to blow it, it's going to sin, it's going to sin, it's going to sin. And John says it's not when you sin, it's if you sin. If you sin. <laughs> it's a big, huge difference. And I think if we subconsciously think that we're always going to mess up, we're always going to mess up. (laughs) We've been given a new nature. 
We no no longer have an obligation to follow sin. We no longer have to be slaves to sin. We now can be slaves to righteousness. It's it's all in Romans, it's Romans 6. Romans 6 is incredible. It's all about, because of what Jesus did, you no longer have to live that way. You have been set free from sin. You've been set free from guilt. You've been set free from the law. And you now have the spirit and you can now be a slave to righteousness. You can now be a slave. You're going to be a slave to one or the other, sin or righteousness. One of them leads to death and one of them leads to life. It's, that, it's really that simple. There's no gray area. You're going to be a slave to sin or you're going to be a slave to righteousness. And the spirit of Christ now lives in us to empower us to be slaves to righteousness. Um, I think this is a key part of conquering sin. In uh, Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read a few verses here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 through chapter 3, verse 4. Paul says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Chapter 3. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. And I love what Paul's saying here. He said, rather than focusing on trying to obey all these rules, just focus on Jesus. Just focus on him. (laughs) Rather than focusing on not sinning, focus on God. Rather than focusing on trying to obey the law, if you focus on your relationship with the Lord, he says, if you'll think about heavenly things and stop thinking about earthly things, I think a lot of new believers start, they start thinking about all the things that they have to give up instead of all the things that they have to gain. And if you'll think about the realities of heaven, if you'll focus your attention on him, if we'll enter into a place where Paul talks about First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing where you're in constant relationship with the Lord, you begin not to sin anymore. But if we don't have this fellowship with God and we are trying to obey the law, then you're going to be like Paul in Romans chapter 7. Where you know who God is, you know the truth of the gospel, but you're trying to live by the law and so you begin to do things that you don't like to do. You begin to sin and then you hate yourself for it. When Paul says, who will save me from this? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. I now can be filled with the power of the spirit and I now can go after him because I'm a child of God and I now can have fellowship with him and live this thing out instead of trying to obey the law on my own strength. The way that you stay out of darkness is turn the light on. Stay in the light, focus on the light. Don't focus on running away from darkness. Focus on being in the light. I know it's kind of like a duh thing, but it's, it's so true. I think a lot of people just try to white knuckle their, the steering wheel of life like they can keep the car on the road. And it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's him. It's his power. And if we'll focus on him, you'll experience real freedom. You experience freedom when you focus on Jesus. I was never set free by focusing on how much I hated my sin. 
I was set free when I began to focus on Jesus. When I began to focus on him, then I began to enter into the abundant life that he had for me. And we can't, we can't think thoughts like, well, I can just do this and then God will forgive me. That's demonic. That's not, that is twisted thinking. We cannot think, well, I'll just do this and then God will forgive me later. That is not right. We, we cannot have those thoughts. That, that's twisted thinking. That's, that is, you're deceived if we think that we can just sin and then, and then ask God to forgive. That's like planning to sin and then asking God to forgive you. That, that is not how it works. That is, that's walking in darkness. Like we, we, we are not called to live that way. There's a, there's a difference between sinning one time and living in sin. There's a difference in slipping up and stumbling and living a lifestyle of sin. There's a difference in, in me losing my patience one time and then me constantly being a person of anger that just cusses everybody out all the time. Right? There's some, there's some days where I were, there's some days where, man, the Holy Spirit empowers me. I have awesome patience. I do great. There's other days where I lost my cool and I said something to my kid I shouldn't have said. But I wasn't planning on saying something to my kid. I, I, I stumbled. I slipped up. But it's not a constant lifestyle. It's not a constant thing that I'm constantly struggling with. I have freedom from that. I can now live the way that God has called me to live. As we begin to wrap this up here, chapter 2, verse 3 says that obedience to God's word really is proof that we love him. He said, and this goes back to John 15. If you love me, you'll obey me. That's how we prove our love to God, by obeying his commandments. Being faithful to my wife is proof that I love her. It's the same way with God. Being faithful to my wife is proof that I love her. If I constantly lied to my wife, if I constantly did things behind her back, if I constantly had affairs on her, no one in this room would believe that I loved her. But I tell her that I love her, right? Don't we do that? It's so easy. We do that to God. We come in here and we raise our hands and we tell God we love him. And then we go out and we live like the world. It's the same. It's the same thing. True love is shown in our actions. True love is shown in our actions. James tells us that our, that faith without works is dead. We show our love by our actions. John 15, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll do what I say. And he proceeds he proceeds that with abide in me, remain in me, abide in me, remain. He says it over and over again, remain in me. The key to conquering our sin is to abide in him, is to remain in him, is to stay in the light. Step, walk in the light and then we'll overcome the darkness. The key to walking in the light and staying in the light is to remain in Jesus. When? All the time. And not just on Sundays. Not just on Wednesdays, not just when I'm in front of my Christian friends, not just when I'm in front of other Christian people. It's all the time staying with him. It is a constant pursuit of a relationship with him. Back to marriage. This is a reason a lot of marriages fail. Because we say our vows and then we stop dating. We say our vows and then we stop dating. We stop the pursuit. (laughs) The reason that people have to work on the marriage is because they stop dating after their vows. But if you live every day like it's a date, you'll stop having marriage problems. 
You know you're going to get marriage advice tonight too. If you'll live every day like you're on a date, you won't have marriage problems anymore. It's a constant, if you've been married a year or 30 years, it's a constant pursuit of that person. It's a, and it's the same thing with the Lord that we live every day, moment by moment in relationship with him, that we don't do anything without having him in mind. I don't, Sarah and I are married. We are now one person. I don't do anything without her in mind. After I get off work, I don't think I'm going to go hang out with the boys and I'm not going to let her know. No, she, we are one person. (laughs) And so I don't do anything without her in mind. It's the same thing with the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever your job is, wherever you're going throughout the day, when you're talking with people, when you're going to the gym, when you're, whatever it is, everything we do is with him in mind. We stay in that constant connection with him. And if you go after him, like I'm talking about, you'll want to obey him. You really will. You'll want to please him. As you stay in relationship with him, it's not like this boring, heavy thing of obeying him. It's actually freedom. It's actually amazing. If you steward your relationship with him well, you actually inherit his desires. We get his desires as we stay close to him. Your spirit man, your new man has the desires of his heart. And as you steward that relationship, those desires come to the forefront. And you get to a place with sin where you're not, you won't be tempted by what you used to be tempted by. I'm not tempted by the things that I was tempted by 10 years ago. That didn't happen overnight, but that happened in a pursuit of him. The way that you conquer sin is by falling in love with God. If you're in a love relationship with the Lord, you begin to experience his kingdom. When he said, I came that you might have life and have life more abundantly, he was not talking about heaven one day. He was talking about heaven now. He was talking about the kingdom right now that we have abundant life and darkness will keep you out of his kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is what Romans tells us. Last verse here. Chapter two, man, I shut my Bible. I just want to read this real quick. Chapter two, verse six. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say they live in God, they live in the light, they live as Jesus did. And what that means, what John is talking about there, is they live in complete obedience to the Father. To live as Jesus did means to live in the light and live in complete obedience. Jesus said, I haven't done anything I haven't heard the Father tell me to do. I haven't said anything that he hasn't told me to say. And that's what John is telling us right here. We don't do anything apart from him. That is walking in the light. That is, that is a mature Christian to walk in complete obedience to him. And that is our purpose and our calling as believers. Did y'all get something out of this tonight? Stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we got to come in here and study your word tonight. Lord, right now, we look in the mirror, Lord, and we say, search our hearts, Lord. Put your fingers on any things that that you don't want us to have, Lord, things that you want us to turn away from, things that you want us to repent of, Lord. We lay it down right here in this moment. God, so that we can leave this place and look like you to a lost and dying world so that they will see us and know that you are real, Lord. Show us how to walk in the light in everything that we do, in our marriages, in our finances, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities. Show us how to walk in the light. Empower us to walk in your light. In Jesus' name.
You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 